Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Nirmal Malaykul. Ever since the Inflation Reduction Act passed the Senate last week, congressional Republicans have been attacking the climate and clean energy pieces of that legislation. But some former GOP lawmakers and Republican allied groups have told Politico that they're worried that the party's aggressive messaging and criticisms could ultimately backfire. The reason? There are actually some parts of this bill that the fossil fuel industry does like. There are some clean energy policies that Republicans have supported in the past, and aggressively criticizing this bill might alienate important voting blocks. So today, I chat with Politico's Josh Siegel about what Republicans might actually like in this bill, how their messaging could impact key voting groups, and the potential political cost of their approach. It's Friday, August 12th. So no one expected any Republican to support this bill overall, given on that very basic fact that this was passed through a special process, reconciliation, requiring only Democratic votes, and that this is a big spending bill. But what's interesting and what stood out to me is that, so this is the largest climate bill in U.S. history by spending $369 billion, but a lot of the individual policies are not the sort of things that Republicans should reflexively opposed based on their history. So the main pieces of this bill are clean energy tax credits, and they've supported tax credits in the past. And there's no carbon tax. Largely, there's not a direct hit on fossil fuels. There's a methane fee, but it's pretty moderate in how they designed it. And there's some opt-outs. So especially young people, I think this could be a problem from a messaging perspective. I spoke with Quill Robinson Vice President of Government Affairs at American Conservation Coalition, which is this youth conservative group. And he's basically like, look, from a messaging perspective, if you're just coming out and saying this bill is the Green New Deal, which it clearly isn't, a lot of young voters will see this as Republicans just opposing climate legislation, and they're not going to get the nuance of why you're opposing it. So that's kind of the concern from both young conservative ally groups and also some former Republicans I spoke to who are active on climate, like former Republican Carlos Curbelo, he was in the House representing Florida, and he just said this is the classic Republican Party overreaching, you know, shooting itself in the foot by just being very aggressive in its rhetoric. Right. And we've talked a lot on this podcast about what Democrats wanted in the bill versus what they eventually put in. But what's in this bill that Republicans actually like, at least in theory? Yeah, so I mentioned the tax credits and these are designed in a way that should appeal to Republicans based on their history. So for one, they're not just for renewables, right? So Republicans, although they've agreed to extend existing tax credits for wind and solar in the past, it's usually part of some horse trading and they kind of do it reluctantly. But this bill really gives out tax incentives to all sorts of technologies and is very deliberate in being technology neutral. And that was a mansion priority. And again, Manchin represents a fossil fuel state. He very much aligns with Republicans on energy issues. So for example, the bill expands tax credits for carbon capture, which is one of their favorite technologies because it could really help coal or gas burning power plants keep operating with lower emissions. 
There's also incentives for other nascent technologies that Republicans like, such as small nuclear reactors, clean hydrogen. And not only that, there's the industrial policy aims of the Democrats' bill, which provide incentives to help manufacturers onshore domestic supply chains on a number of clean energy fronts, making EV batteries, producing solar panels, really intended to bring some of these technologies to the U.S. from China. China dominates these supply chains, and we know that Republicans like to stick it to China. So those are just a few of the policies that we've seen Republican support for rhetorically and just co-sponsoring even individual bills on some of this stuff. Got it. So clearly Republicans have supported some of these individual policies, but lawmakers you spoke to don't exactly love certain parts of the package and point to them as reasons they are opposing it. So what are those components? Yeah, so one big thing which I mentioned previously is just the process. I mean, they say that doing it in this partisan way further politicizes and just creates more gulf on an issue that has been very partisan over time. So Kevin Kramer, he's a senator, a Republican from North Dakota. He participated in these bipartisan energy meetings with that Manchin convened before Manchin ended up going with reconciliation with the Democrats. So he's saying, you're just making this back into skins versus shirts. It's hyper-partisan again. And then you had other Republicans like Bill Cassidy, a senator from Louisiana. He doesn't like some of the provisions around like labor You know, the Democrats have domestic content provisions, prevailing wage requirements intended to to make sure these clean energy projects create good paying jobs. And Republicans see that as social policy. They're concerned that might raise the cost of projects. So those are just a few of the criticisms they're they're launching. Right. And I know you've talked to people on the right and left. How do Democrats and Republicans expect the bill's climate and energy components to play out politically, especially with the midterms coming up in November? Yeah. So on the Democratic side, they do think that Republicans really are going to pay for, just like some of these youth conservatives and former Republicans, they they argue that it's damaging to Republicans in key groups, suburban voters, young voters, when they top line is Republicans. There were zero who voted for the largest climate bill ever. And Senator Tina Smith, a Democrat of Minnesota, pointed out that a lot of these clean energy projects are happening in Republican states, and they're going to see the job creation from that. They're going to see lower energy prices from these clean energy tax incentives, which analysts have showed over time will reduce dependence on fossil fuels. So the volatility that we see like right now with very high natural gas prices, you wouldn't feel that as much over time if there's more clean energy on the grid. But on the Republican side, for example, I spoke with Neil Chatterjee, former chair of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, Republican, and he was saying that, look, I mean, some of these policies are good, but the benefits aren't going to be realized for a long time. And this election is just in in around three months and people, Republicans aren't going to pay, especially when the economy, kitchen table, like inflation is just kind of the core issue here. So maybe if it was a different time, different election, if there was more time in between when the midterms are happening and the passage of this bill, maybe things would be different. But they're just saying that given the time scales that Republicans won't pay a price. Also, on Thursday, a truck engine industry group announced that it would drop its lawsuits against California emissions rules. The Engine Manufacturers Association said it would drop the suit it filed in May in the U.S. District Court for the Central District of California. 
The lawsuit centered around the California Air Resources Board's omnibus rules for heavy-duty trucks, which includes standards for nitrogen oxide and particulate matter emissions starting with model year 2024 trucks. For context, EMA's president said the group filed the lawsuit to get EPA to begin the waiver process about whether to deny or partially deny a California Air Resources Board waiver from the Clean Air Act. Currently, there's no set timetable for EPA to finish considering California's waiver request, but the agency did hold a hearing on the rules in June and a public comment period that closed last week. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Josh Siegel is the usual host of the podcast. Raghu Manavalan edited the show this week. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Nirmal Malaykul, and we'll see you back on Monday. Did you know that Chevron is exploring ways to expand their hydrogen fuel production to help make heavy-duty transport lower carbon? Find out more at chevron.co slash hydrogen fuel.